Welcome to Round Trip Death, the podcast. Before we get into today's interview, I would just like to talk a little bit about science and research. There are a lot of scientists, doctors, etc., who have studied near-death experiences, and while we can't really prove anything, it's interesting to read both pros and cons of whether we should believe this or not, whether these are real or not. And I'm not here to try to prove any point to anybody. That's not the point of this podcast. But from time to time, I'd like to read some things that are available out there. That'll give us some insights, maybe, into how we should think about these things. And and then the decision to make is yours and yours alone. Here's an interesting quote from Jens Alberts of Sweden. He says, Imagine a room completely sealed off from the outside world. This room is so carefully sealed and shielded that no instruments or signals of any kind can penetrate its walls to obtain information about what's inside. Every so often, some lucky individual gets randomly selected to enter this room. They're given time to investigate the room's contents to their satisfaction, but when they leave, the only information they can take with them is their memory of what they witnessed. They can't carry any sort of physical evidence at all. Most of us would agree that if enough people went into this room and enough of them came out of it agreeing about what was inside, their joint testimony would justify the rest of us in believing that the room contained what they said it did, even in the absence of physical evidence. Now it's true that if the contents of the room were quite strange, say, its contents appeared to contradict the accepted laws of physics, we might need a particularly high number of testimonies from particularly well-qualified investigators to convince us that the room's contents were indeed as strange as reported. Scientists that study near-death experiences have found that somewhere between 4 and 15% of the general population have had a near-death experience. That is a lot of people. Getting back to what Jens was saying about this room, his logical argument is that life after death is the equivalent of this tightly sealed room, but that we nevertheless have an enormous number of reliable witnesses who have investigated that room and reported their overwhelming agreement that our consciousness does survive death. He finishes with this, the existence of an afterlife is an empirical question and the weight of available testimony is so great as to make life after death empirically certain. Well, food for thought. Now let's get into today's interview. We have Adam Huff here, who had an interesting experience just a few years ago as, well, I'll let Adam get into the details, but he had an experience at a young age of just 39 years old. A near-death experience. So, Adam, anyway, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I know you're kind of soft-spoken and haven't told a lot of people about this experience, but would you give us a little background on what happened with your health and and what led up to this? Yeah. When I was 39 years old, um, five years previous to that, I was really active. I was doing CrossFit. That's the, you know, Kind of work out on steroids basically but without the steroids you're you're doing a lot of heavy lifting a lot of um cardio and very fast paced and i was in really good shape uh, probably the best shape of my life honestly and uh, so when i when i was 39 years old um 
every year I'd play basketball with the rec league and the team I was on, I'd played with for you know several years and we got pretty good. Uh, we went to, it was the championship game. I remember. And I just remember that night. I'm like, I just didn't feel very well. I don't know what it was. I hadn't had, you know, any carbonated drinks. Uh, usually that slows you down. You can feel it, but I felt fine. Well, sorry. I, I felt just odd. Like I just out of breath and tired. And, um, I come in the game, I do a few things and I, I say, I got to sit out. And, um, there's a guy that I was playing against, I was guarding, and he was running all over the place. And I just remember, actually, I remember telling him, he's a friend of mine. I said, hey, you know, you're going to kill me. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't think anything of it, but um, I remember, you know, it was a really close game and we were going right down to the end. And then that's where I just forgot everything. I don't remember anything after that. But after, um, you know, what people told me, there's different stories, but the one that I, um, remember as a, a guy on my team told me what happened was this guy that I was guarding I, I had fouled him and he went to the free throw line and I was standing on the post and I looked up at my teammate and I said oh no and I stood straight up and then I just fell straight backwards and hit my head really hard on the court and everybody it just went dead silent you know is what he said and everybody just kind of panicked like what do we do and I had a, luckily, there's a doctor on my team and he kind of cleared the area and he, and he uh, started doing chest compressions. And um, there's a person in the crowd, a wife of another player on the opposite team. Um, she ran across the hall and across the hall is a, a gym and they have a climbing wall on it. And her sister was there who was a nurse. And she just decided to go climbing that night. And there's quite a story about her that I won't get into, but she has a very similar condition to what I have. And um, she was there that night just because she felt she needed to go. And so she um, she came running in and <clears throat> she told her sister, she said, get the defibrillator. And she goes, oh, yeah, uh, um, I think I know where that is. And she grabbed it and they ran over there. And there was another doctor walking around the track that is right alongside the basketball court. He saw what happened and he ran over there and, 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 uh, they got the defibrillator out and he was the one that used it on me. And, um, Dr. Cram, who was on my team, he started doing mouth to mouth and this nurse was doing the chest compressions. And, um, so I don't remember any of that. So I'm just curious, did you have any medical history of a heart problem before this? No, I had a, a checkup. My dad has a, some heart problems, and he said, you know, you really ought to go in and get, it, get your heart checked. And I'm like, okay. So a few years before that, I made an appointment, went in, and they said everything was fine. I have a, I've always had a heart murmur from birth where um, the valve kind of flaps against the uh, opening there and makes a murmur. Uh, but he said everything was fine. And, you know, I was... Like I said, I was pretty active and doing a lot of exercise and biking and whatnot. Um, so I didn't even think it could have been anything with my heart when I was feeling tired. I just thought, man, maybe I'm just getting old. 
you know, out of shape or I, I, I didn't even think about the heart. No clue. So, and in fact, I have a twin brother and uh, he's, you know, had no history whatsoever of having any heart problems. So, um, yeah. Okay. So back to the basketball game. So you're winning, I hope, when this happens. I, we were. In fact, the, the guy who I fouled, okay. he says if we ever play again, he's going to start off shooting a free throw because he, he didn't get to, get to take his free throws. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. So anyway, um, but the not funny part is you you stop, you just, you just drop yep. right on the court right there. People come over. Thank goodness there were people there qualified to help. Yeah. What happened next? Um, all I remember is opening my eyes and I had a bunch of people standing over me and, you know, uh, telling me to hold still and to stop moving. And they were like, like it felt, I felt like I was being moved and I looked around and I'm like, wait, I'm in a, I'm in a gurney here. Uh, you know, one of those, um, moving towards the hospital. And I go in this room, this waiting room in the hospital and, um, things kind of calmed down and, and I looked over and my wife came in and she was with, um, one of her friends, our friends and her friend's dad. And they said, are you okay? I'm like, well, what, I don't even know what, what's, what am I doing here? You know, I had no clue why I'm in a hospital. I had, and like, I'm fine. But I said, what happened? And they said, well, you collapsed. I'm like, when, you know, I, I don't remember, remember when and or what I was doing. I looked, I noticed I was in a Jersey and I'm like, well, when did that happen? And they said tonight. And I said, is my name. And I had to get reoriented. I said, wait, do I, do I drive a right truck? My wife said, yeah, you drive a white truck. <laughs> like, okay, I think I know who I am. And it took me a while to just kind of just come back to reality of like what just happened. And so I was, I was there for a, a little while. And then they said, you're going to get life lighted to um, Utah Valley uh, medical center. And I said, okay, you know, and, um, I remember on the, on the helicopter ride, I just felt really tired. And I, I think I either went to sleep or blacked out. I don't remember. And then I remember waking up in the, um, in the hospital room at Utah Valley. And, and then at that point I was totally fine. I was joking. I was being my normal self and everything was fine. I just had her cause I, I, I smacked it and I had a, I had a concussion and it was bleeding really bad. So I had staples in the back. And so every time I, I tried to lift up, I'd feel like I was going to pass out. So I just stayed there. So I was pretty banged up. So you told me that you had a, a near-death experience where you experienced um, the, the spirit world, the next life, the beyond, what whatever anybody wants to call it. And I'll let you put it into your words. But um, why don't you tell us about that? And do you think that that happened while you were while your heart stopped on the basketball court or on the way to the hospital or do you have any idea? I'm pretty sure it happened when I, I got life flighted. So I remember when I, my wife came in um, after everybody had left, when we got to the Valley medical center, I was sitting there in the, in the hospital bed. And I, I told Heather, I said, I, I talked to my friend. Um, sorry. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't, 
to say while I was dead. I just said, I, I, I got to talk to my friend a little while ago. And uh, she said, well, was it Tyler? Tyler? And I said, yeah, it was Tyler. And I don't know if I talked to him. So Tyler had died um, probably, I don't know, six years before that happened to me. And uh, I just remember talking to him briefly. And um, so I don't know if that happened, you know, before I went to the hospital in Heber or after I got life lighted, but it happened. I, I probably happened on the, on the, on the helicopter ride because um, I remembered it as soon as I, I, I talked to Heather when I got to the hospital, like I got to talk to Tyler. Now, Tyler, you were saying was a very close friend of yours, right? Yeah. And what, can you tell us anything about um, what you saw? Where was he? What did he look like? What did you guys talk about? Yeah. I remember uh, just, looking and he was right there. And I said, Tyler, you know, how you doing? And we, we hugged each other and, uh, he looked just like I remember. Um, he had kind of a pointy nose and black hair and dark eyes. And, um, he's smaller than me, pretty skinny. I'm six, six. So it's, he's, um, average height, but, um, he was always happy and I had a funny laugh, you know, just kind of a little, little high pitched laugh. And he laughed and, um, after we hugged, I, we just started talking about his family. When he died, he had four kids. Well, he had one um, his wife was pregnant with, about six months pregnant. And I had spoken at his funeral and um, felt really bad. You know, was, was leaving, he left his family. And um, I didn't know this until after um, I got started talking to his wife, you know, years later but he had the same heart condition that I did. Um, in college, I remember really, really good friends in college. That's why I met him. We were both in the um, same major, engineering, civil engineering. And during the summer, he had collapsed while working for UDOT, and they took him to the hospital, and they he had something similar to what happened to me. You know, they had to kind of resuscitate him, and luckily he survived, and... Um, but I always understood he had a hole in his heart or something. I didn't know it was the same condition. I found out I had as um, HCM, it's hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, enlarged heart. You know, so he had died um, six years previously. He was left a meeting on a Sunday and just passed out and drove his car into a a ditch and they found him. You know, so we talked about his kids and he showed me pictures of them and told me what, what they're doing. Told me, named them each by name. And I remember them. Um, and then I knew that he had named his, when I was at the funeral, they told me him and his wife, sorry, his wife told me that they were going to name their son who she was pregnant with Adam, you know, Adam James, which is my name. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that they named him after me. And um, he told me, he talked about Adam and uh, he, he just told me that he was really happy and he asked about me and and uh, I just remember, it's, you know, it's interesting. I didn't know I was dead. I didn't know anything was abnormal. I just remember seeing him and and just picked up where we left off. Like I didn't, I just, I, like, like, like I hadn't seen him for a long time. You know, when you see someone um, you haven't seen in a long time, you just immediately... Um, 
we're just happy, happy to see him. I didn't think I was dead. I didn't think he had died. It was just, it was just a normal conversation to have with someone. Isn't that interesting? It can be completely normal, like, like no big deal. Of course, of course, I ran into my friend that yeah. passed away six years ago. Yeah. What did it? How, what did he look like? What was he dressed like? He, I remember he was wearing white clothes. Um, I, like I remember seeing like a white belt buckle, white pants, and uh, like a white shirt. And he uh, was smiling. You know, he had a kind of really nice countenance. Really. Um, just seemed young and energetic. And, and I remember, I don't remember the the setting very well, but it was just, it was in a, a room and there were other people. And, but I just remember just focusing on him and um, not really paying attention to what was around me, but it didn't last very long. Cause he, after we talked and, and he, um, he said, Hey, I got to go, you know, I said, okay, it was really nice seeing you. And, th- and then we hugged each other again. And, and that's when I remember um, either waking up or that's the last I remember. That's interesting. So it sounds like your experience in the other world was was quite short. How, how did it change you? For example, um, did you have, I mean, everybody has some kind of a fear of death, at least a little bit, if we're honest with ourselves. Yeah. Do you feel like that diminished after your experience? It, it changed me knowing that death is not something really I fear. I'm not going to go out and look for ways to die or I want to live my life to the fullest. But when it happens, there's nothing to be afraid of because you're in a good place. You're surrounded by people who, sorry. Oh man. And I think I, I, I cried. That's one thing I changed after, after I had this experience Maybe it was the concussion, but I cry really easy now. Like, I just, it changed me that mm-hmm. way. Um, I think you'll be surrounded by people, you know, and it'll just be like just a, you know, happy day. And you'll get to see people you you've, uh, haven't seen in a long time. Um, I wanted to say that uh, it was interesting because I told my wife, um, so this happened on a Monday night when I had that incident at the basketball court on a Friday or Saturday, I remember telling my wife, Hey, something's going to happen to us. I just felt like something big's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but, um, I just feel like there's going to be some changes and we have to be prepared for something. And she says, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And, uh, of course that happened on a Monday and, there were some things that we were going through as a couple, some changes I was trying to make and be better and stuff. And um, I, I started making good strides to, to be better. And and uh, when this happened, um, it kind of set me on a course that that I you know I really want to be better. I want to make the rest of my life um, better than the you know let's say the first half of my life. Because, um, like the the things I used to get frustrated over or mad about don't matter as much anymore. Because mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, they just don't matter. You know? That completely makes sense. I mean, e- even if you hadn't had an experience, a near death experience, I think anything that traumatic probably 
is going to do that too. And then with the experience that you had, it just adds to that. Definitely was given a second chance. And that's a good thing because I, I wasn't ready to pass away. It just wasn't time. I There's some things I needed to fix, things I needed to do better at. And so this gave me an opportunity to do better, you know, relationships I need to fix. Um, but it wasn't my time. <laughs> Could have been, but it just wasn't my time. Something, and I, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but just to, just to dig a hair deeper, you mentioned that uh, you and Tyler hugged a couple of times. So, I mean, there's, there, there's all kinds of beliefs about uh, where we're going after death and if we have any kind of a tangible body that we can feel something with. Do you feel like you were able to feel each other? Um, you know, that's a good, good question. I, I don't think I, I don't think I felt physically, but emotionally I felt warm and like, you know, how a hug and produces those feelings. I felt that, you know, I, I don't, but like I said at the time, it felt real, felt normal, but, uh, I understand, you know, my belief is we, we leave our body. We have a spirit that, uh, I think acts and looks like us and, and, uh, has the same cravings and whatnot, but, but, but emotionally I did, I just felt, I felt that I felt his, I felt that connection. It didn't need to be a physical feel, I guess. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was, um, I think I'm about out of questions. Do you have anything else you want to mention about it or anything you learned from it? Well, the biggest thing I learned is um, that, no, I'm, I'm a religious guy. I'm, um, number one, I think our, our Heavenly Father loves us. And um, this life is definitely not the end. I, I, I learned that I guess when I do go, I wanted to go quickly <laughs> to not have to suffer. And I think uh, the most important thing I learned is, well, let me, let me just a quick thing about Tyler is when I was in college, I remember I had a class and uh, I heard a, like a voice tell me, like, you, you got to talk to him. Yeah, I didn't know him, but I, I saw him and I said, I need to talk to him. And I, and I, and I, I talked to him and we formed a great friendship. And so one thing that's taught me is we should be willing to, to get to know um, people that we may think are insignificant or, or we don't know anything about them. We should, we should try a little more to get to know them because if I wouldn't have um, made that contact with him that day and, we never had the, would have had this amazing friendship, and and uh, so that's what I look forward to is there's going to be people in your life that uh, that come along and you may not at the time think they're very significant, but but they definitely can be, and they um, could play a major part in your life, you know. And anyway, so that's that's what I reflect on is like if I wouldn't have got to know him. Um, things have been a lot different. So, yeah, I, I think relationships are very important. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. Well, I just want to thank you for 
spending this time with us today, giving us an idea of your experience. And, and it's always good to hear people, I hear it all the time, saying, I don't fear I don't fear death anymore. It's not something to be afraid of. And I think that's a good message for us to keep in mind. Anyway, thank you again, Adam. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. If you've had a round-trip death experience and would like to share it with us, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to me, eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you've found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend, rate us five stars, and be sure to visit roundtripdeath.com. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next.